Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you all. It's time. Grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above. I don't know about you guys, but the full moon this morning, or the almost full moon this morning, is putting on such a show that a friend of mine had to call me and tell me, go outside and look at the moon which is beautiful, apparently. My husband had already sent me a picture of the moon as he was driving to work, and I was quite impressed by that. Uh, unfortunately, going outside for me right now and looking, all the trees are in the way, and right where the moon is setting is where there's a group of islands, and the moon had already dropped low enough to the horizon I wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, but I do have the picture that my honey sent me and it is gorgeous so i hope you all have gotten to see it as well she's fairly low in the northwest sky at this moment in time setting she will not become full until 6:08 p.m eastern time tonight 308 uh, pacific time and take a look at her if you have a chance because she looks really beautiful this is what is called the full wolf moon that is its more shamanic name or what the indigenous uh, used to call the moon the full moon of january it is also my grandson's birthday today happy birthday to you chase a full moon on your birthday sounds kind of auspicious to me for bringing in something that might be new while also leaving behind something else he's turning 17 today Wow, all my grandkids are getting old. How come I'm not getting old? Hmm. Of course I am, but still, it's kind of fun to watch them grow and uh, expand in their lives. Now, yes, there's there's this this issue that happens for me when I put out what I'm going to talk about on a show the day before I'm actually doing it. Uh, and that is this morning, spirit moved me in a new direction. So while I will talk about the Cancer Full Moon a little bit more, and while I will tell you maybe perhaps about some of the transits that are going on this weekend, what I have been guided more fully to talk about to you is about the Black Moon Lilith. And it's so funny when these things happen, right? Because I have this chart in front of me, and it happens to be the chart I drew on Wednesday when Tam and I were talking about, you know, looking ahead at January. And I noticed that day, that today, the, moon, the black moon Lilith would be at 29 degrees of Cancer. And I went, oh, that means that we are closing up the shadow and learning and evolution of Cancer and preparing to move into uh, the next sign, which is Leo. And yet here we are on a full moon, which also kind of brings all of our learning and all of our experiences together in a way that reveals something to us. Um, perhaps in a way that, that <laughs> I'm laughing because Tom says he used to be a werewolf, but now I'm all right. Now, ooh, you're so funny. Uh, anyway, so the the full moon bringing things, you know, together in either completion or revelation, uh, perhaps even setting the stage for what comes next, uh, depending on how that is playing out in your own chart. So it has been such an interesting week for me as we, as the aha moments uh, keep coming in terms of the uh, sidereal human design, sidereal, 13 sign sidereal human design and astrology. And last weekend, I was immersed in it. I don't know what the heck happened. As usual for me, something just came over me. And I began to really talk to myself about what is going on with that sidereal. It's like calling to me. I just can't stop thinking about it. And I had both of my charts up and uh, Asa happened to be out there and what had her ears on. So I was talking to her about the same issue. And as I was look, what started it for me on Saturday morning, indulge my storytelling here for a minute is that I was, uh, it was early. I get up early every day, right? So it's maybe 6.37 in the morning. And I, I was thinking about the pressure I was feeling to start doing some Instagram or uh, Facebook memes about the new year, because that was, of course, New Year's Eve. And uh, I was 
I was really feeling pressure, right? Pressure to do. And that pulled me up short because in my normal tropical human design, I have a defined root center. So for me, pressure isn't a thing, right? From that kind of pressure isn't a thing um, that I really do know how to handle stress and I, I know how to handle pressure. And yet when I looked at my sidereal human design, I have an open root center. And all of a sudden I felt that impact of what it can mean to have one uh, kind of chart or map of who you are, the tropical, let's say, because that's what I've been working on all my life so far, and what it might mean to bring in uh, the sidereal, right? The, the 13 sign sidereal specifically, and how that impacts, you know, the evolution that we are going through individually. And what I, I wondered is that for a while, I have started feeling pressure, pressure to do, to do more, to teach more, to be more. Um, and that felt kind of odd to me during uh, all of these last few months while that's been a part of my experience. But I didn't track it to my sidereal human design until Saturday. And I saw that so clearly going, I get it now, right? There's this pressure. Part of my evolution is this pressure now to go out and do. And the root center itself is the center of our evolution. It's the very lowest center in your human design. And it in the lowest expression is stress, right? The stress that we feel that's telling us to go, to do, to be something more. In the gift level, the gift expression, it is drive, right? And that's kind of akin to ambition. And in its highest state, that uh, energy of the root center is about evolution, right? Evolving in our consciousness, evolving in our lives. Now, there's no surprise here either because the theme of the sun at the moment is all in the root center, right? Every gate for the next couple of weeks and actually for the last few weeks that the sun will be in is in the root center. So we're being pressured to evolve, to grow, right? To expand ourselves. And then I took a deeper look at this Cancer full moon and the Cancer full moon sitting at 16 degrees, 22 minutes in my handy dandy astrological mandala by uh, Dane Rudyard. Uh, it says that the degree that this moon is at is all about growth. Now, cancer itself has a theme about growing, right? It handles the growth, the nurturing of something as it grows and as it expands and as it evolves. So this full moon is also a, uh, an energy of growing. And it begins at the gate 53, which is on, no surprise, the root center, obviously, right? The sun uh, and the moon in opposing uh, gates. And the, the, the starting of this particular energy, or I mean, the, the energy of this particular gate is all about starting. It is the the prompt from the universe. If you look at the human design chart down here, 53 is right there and it's moving upward toward the sacral. All of the gates that move from the root center up to the sacral provide the pressure to do, right? To do because the sacral is the center of doing. And the doing here would be like, well, what do you wanna begin? right? What do you want to start? How do you want it to uh, initiate things? So while this is a full moon, and while it's a moon that we, the, the phase of the moon that we don't normally connect with starting something, we usually connect it more with completions. Um, would it be possible to think about this moon as finishing something, completing something, allowing the revelation to come in about what comes next, right? What is that new beginning that is going to propel you outward? What What is that? And then the sun itself, I, I meant to say the moon earlier, by the way, we're talking about the moon's gate, but the sun is at the gate 54, also on the root center. And the sun 
here we go. Here's the 54 over here. Oops, I'm going the wrong way. There we go. 54 right here moves out toward the spleen. And the spleen in this same kind of uh, energy is about intuition and about providing your presence in that new beginning, right? So if the ambition is being triggered to move, to do, to start a journey, then what we're seeing in this with the moon energy or with the moon and sun coming together is the drive and ambition to start something new. And that specifically has to be about growth, evolution of your consciousness. And even with Mercury retrograde and Mars retrograde, we still have a bit of that foot on the gas, foot on the brake kind of feeling, right? We can't just all, we, can, we can't just say, okay, I'm just heading straight on and starting something new and heading in that direction. But we can plant the seeds, right? In the explanation of growth uh, of this degree in the astrological mandala, we, he talks about germination, about having planted the seed and the seed still unbeknownst to us, right? The germination occurs in the soil is beginning, right? The, the first, the, the, the beginning of the roots are being brought out of the seed and into the ground in order to support the growth that will be seen in and above the ground, right? So this time period that we find ourselves in with this moon is truly about the seeds that have been planted. Jupiter and Aries also telling us this, right? That we're planting seeds that will take time to grow because we've got to first have the root center, right? The root has to be there in order to support the top end growth, which will become the plant, right? So it's amazing when you start to look at how the signs are showing us that this is a time to really to really do the work behind the scenes or under the scenes to plant, to, to allow the ground to be prepared for the roots being brought out. And then that will support the healthy of the, the healthy plant growth later on. And that later on might be after Mercury is direct, which is January 18th, and maybe even waiting until the beginning of the new human design year, which is on the 22nd, which is also after the sun moves into Aquarius and is also the day that Uranus, the planet of awakening and liberation, turns direct. So lots of fun little signs. These are all little signposts along the way helping us to decide what it is that we're here to do, right? What is it? What are our next steps? Now, I also um, think of the spleen center where the sun's ambition is driving us toward as a center for our success, right? It also, because all of the gates around the spleen can also be thought of as fear gates, we also may be encountering shadows as we as we strike out to do something, right? Let's say we're we're choosing to do something new or to be something that we haven't been before. The encounter that we first get to might be about a point of paralysis, uh, a point of fear, a shadow energy that has maybe you know kind of laid dormant within us that hasn't really uh, brought us into awareness yet uh, until we actually go to take that next step, right? We take that next step, boom, right? We, we encounter resistance and that resistance might be in the form of a fear uh, or a shadow, something that we didn't see clearly about ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that that should stop us, right? It, it shouldn't stop us. The whole thing about the spleen center is that we feel the fear and we do it anyway, right? We don't succumb to the shadow, right? We, we take in the shadow and we work with it. Now, that brings me to the Black Moon Lilith and my recognition of the other day that she's at the 29th degree of cancer. That means she's been in cancer now for about nine months. 
and we have been on a journey, if you will, to deal with everything Black Moon shadow-wise with the, the sign of Cancer. And what has that journey been like, right? Thinking back in your own life, what shadows of uh, cancer shadows have you come up against? So first, let me talk about what the transit is like of the black moon. And then we'll talk about specifics about what has it been in cancer and what are we learning about now that she's at the 29th degree? And then what are we looking forward to in the next couple of days as she moves out of cancer and into Leo? right? Leo, completely different shadow energy. Now, this is completely different from where she is in your own natal chart. So we all have a black moon Lilith, which is our natal shadow, right? Our natal blind spot, if you will. She's kind of out here. We actually have to turn our head and look at it if we actually want to see that shadow in our lives. But as she transits around the wheel, she enacts different shadows and it's how that shadow can provoke or play with or cause you to grow uh, because of your own natal black moon Lilith that's important for you to keep in mind. Now, those of you who have your own astrology charts, uh, hopefully you've looked for the black moon Lilith. Um, she looks like a little crescent moon with the cross beneath her. Um, she sort of like the cross that is uh, underneath uh, the palace Athena, but also under Venus. Only the symbol on top of the cross is the crescent moon. So, and it's the crescent moon that resembles the dark of the moon, right? So that kind of tells you that that this is something we don't see clearly. It's not like the full moon where all the light is on. It's not like the new moon where it's completely in the dark. It's more like that closing crescent where we're just, it's we're blinded by it, but we, we see it. We see it, the evidence of it in our own personal lives. So first of all, what is the black moon Lilith? Well, she's actually a math, this particular black moon Lilith is a mathematically contrived point. And it's made up of the relationship between the sun and the moon or where the moon crosses the ecliptic, blah, 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 mathematical, not getting that, uh, not going there. Uh, so don't worry, I'm not going to go any further than that. But what does she represent? That's the, the gooey part, right? That's the part that we really want to get to is she represents the unconscious issues that block us in our lives and cause us problems. Right. So she's always going to represent something we don't see clearly. So if you have ever found yourself trying to do something and not being able to do it or beating your head up against the wall, so to speak, or in a position where you're recognizing a pattern that every time I go to do this, this happens right? Or something like this happens. Like it might be relationship oriented. Every time that I get into a relationship and the closer we get, the further I want to backpedal, right? I start to, you know, do things, sabotage the relationship kind of thing. I'm not saying that's the only thing that can show up, but I'm just giving you an example of how the Black Moon Lilith might work, right? You might see her because you have these repeating patterns in your life, Right. I was talking to somebody one day and he, he was talking about disappointment being a repeating pattern in his life. So disappointment as a repeating pattern might give you a clue as to where the black moon Lilith is and where you are in relationship to gaining more consciousness about the shadow that she brings to your life. So the Black Moon Lilith then is very important, even though we hardly talk about her, right? We hardly talk about her. Um, and the fact that she is sitting right now with the moon, close to the moon, not right on top of her, but close to the moon and also Pallas Athena. Remember, we talked about the three goddesses in in uh, relation to this full moon and how they, you know, the moon uh, being sort of the mother goddess and the daughters being the Black Moon Lilith and Pallas Athena. And Lilith here representing a sort of inner journey that we each undertake to confront our shadows. So she's a representative of the shadow, yes, 
but it's you who chooses either to undertake that journey or to steer clear of it, right? To see it or not to see it, right? That is the question, to see or not to see, right? So there are certain steps that are quite evident in this process of discovery of the Black Moon Lilith and of what she is bringing to each of us in this case. And the first step in the process is that we have to confront a confusing event or a trauma or a drama or a repeating pattern in our lives. And that initiates this birth death sequence right within us, a cycle of regeneration, we could call it, right? That we, we come up against something and we can't persist with it. Right. So we we have a choice. <laughs> what we need to do is surrender. That's the path. The next step would be to surrender because the truth must be faced. Right. No matter what in that shadow, the truth must be faced. But we can we have kind of a couple of choices here. One, we can choose to look into that shadow. We can look into that fear. We can look into that darkness and we can initiate the journey of discovery and of healing right? Two, we can completely ignore it. We can just, just not there, not there, not there. This is just me being a victim. It's happened again. The universe is always pooping on me, whatever, whatever, right? And the third way is that we don't even notice, right? That they, we have no consciousness of the impact that this little body has on us, right? Just not even seeing that this is a shadow, um, that we're just totally blind. Now, I kind of see that for us as we're younger, right? And we're still, you know, we don't have the history of what patterns are repeating, etc. So that's where we might be in our younger days. As we get a little bit older, maybe we come to our North Node shift, or maybe we come to our first Saturn return. Actually, it would be the Saturn return first, and then the North Node shift. And maybe it starts to dawn on us, right, that this is something I'm seeing, you know, I've, I've seen a few times in my life already, and what am I going to do about it? And there's where we face the fork in the road. Now I'm going to explore it and do something about it, or I'm just going to keep going, 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 and hope it works itself out, maybe, or, you know, it's just who I am, and it's just, you know, my fate, I, who, who knows, right? But we have it, that choice that comes at about that time. And then once we get beyond that, uh, north node uh, shift, which is at about age 40 to 42, often at the same time as the Uranus opposition, then we have enough wisdom that we are really, you know, initiating that growth piece, right? So I would say that's kind of, it's not exact for everybody in that order, uh, but that's kind of what happens. And that second step then is to surrender to spirit, right? We begin to look for that higher power. We begin to look deeper into the situation. We begin to see ourselves as more than just merely human being in the body, right? We really, and, and by the way, that process can start younger. So I'm not saying that, you know, some of you didn't embody that younger. Um, and then the material world begins to fall away or the most important things start to change for us. The, the flavor of uh, what interests us begins to change. We begin to start the connection to the larger part of ourselves uh, or the part of ourselves that is connected to all that is, right? The universe or source or God. For some people that might initiate a religious journey, for others, it may be getting away from religion and embarking on a wider spiritual journey, but it is kind of emblematic of a consciousness evolution, right? The spiral of consciousness and the Black Moon Lilith kind of sitting there telling us that that journey really begins with you facing your shadow. Then the next step in that journey is about initiation, right? This is where the tools for our rebirth or for um, our um, 
consciousness shift begin to appear, right? It might be the time where people reach out for astrology readings. It might be the time where people start to read more about, you know, more uh, spiritual subjects. They might take up meditation. They may take up yoga. They may take up, you know, some form of spiritual um, learning, right? And, and that can take on many different ways. But what it is, is the need for us to be guided to what it is that we really need in terms of letting go. And this is linked, by the way, to suffering in our lives, right? The suffering, the labor of bringing in our new selves, our true selves, is linked with labor. Just like the birthing of a baby, a child, begins with the mothers moving into labor, right? And... Suffering is the word that came to my mind as I was doing this, because often we're suffering as a result of the shadow. But suffering is optional, as you, I always say with human design, right? We struggle. That's part of our design. But suffering isn't necessarily part of our design. But suffering can be an exception in the Black Moon Lilith, because it's where we're diving into the shadow. What in our lives has created suffering? What are we suffering from or have we suffered through in our lives? That, that repeating pattern perhaps or that uh, one thing that can take you out, that can take you down, right? That causes you to dump into depression feelings or uh, melancholic feelings. What is it? And being willing to go into it right? You know, giving birth, there's no choice, right? You don't, you don't get to stop labor and go, okay, I think I'll take this up later, right? There, there, it just doesn't happen that way. It just happens, right? You get into that point and you have to move through it. Same thing here. You could, you know, put it off till later in your life, but you never can not go through it. Once the initiation has begun, you have to follow the threads wherever it takes you. And the Black Moon Lilith, that's her in her transits, right? It's taking you on this journey through all of the different signs. So the very ending here is sort of this cycle of regeneration. So it's a death, right? That begins again. So we have these, I was just talking to an, a client yesterday, uh, and she she's had some very disagreeable body things going on, health challenges. And for she's only, you know, 45, 50, something like that. And it triggered a fear of death for her, right? Am I dying? Is this the beginning of my end? And I, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking back to that conversation with her this morning uh, and talking about the Black Moon Lilith. And of course, she's sitting at the 29th degree of the sign we might all be feeling a little bit like, is this the end for me? It might not be the literal, you know, I'm dying kind of thing, but it might be, is this the end of my job? Is this the end of my relationship? Is this the end of my prosperity? Is this the end of my uh, life in general? I mean, there could be lots of different things for us that's coming up right now that may feel to us like the end, the beginning of the end. But in reality, now, if we look back at what it is that cancer represents when we get to uh, the Black Moon Lilith and uh, what cancer represents in general, remember, these are the, the bigger categories for cancer. It's all about intimacy, right? The, uh, the relationship that we have with those closest to us, our mother, our father, our siblings, perhaps, our colleagues, uh, a spouse, right? The most intimate of relationships, right? Where you're sharing your body and soul with someone uh, in your life. And then it's sort of that feeling of our souls being laid bare in the act of intimacy with that other person. And that brings out tenderness and the nurturing qualities, compassion, right? So cancer is all about those things. But what happens when we give of ourselves in that way? We become vulnerable, right? We are willing to allow vulnerability because we seek connection. And part of then the Black Moon Lilith in Cancer might have been where we felt abandoned 
earlier in our lives where uh, we've been abandoned literally with parents leaving us or children leaving us or spouses leaving us or significant others uh, leaving us in our lives that we made us feel like, oh, it take you know, that vulnerability causes us to be more careful in the future, enacts more of the shadow until we're willing to dive into that shadow. Then, of course, the moon represents our emotions, and it's more than emotions. It's moods, right? Moods that swing back and forth. I always know when the moon is in cancer because the littlest things will make me cry, right? The littlest things. And then, then I begin even a bigger, more emotional uh, expression because of loss in my life. And moon and cancer, those two or three days, eek, right? I'm always like, ah, can we get through this faster? Um, so moods and the sensitivities that we have, right? Cancer represents that sensitivity, both psychic awareness, but also sensitivity to what others say or what others do about what's going on in the world around us and uh, sensitive to other people's words, right? And sensitive to other people's feelings, plus needing to be sensitive to our own feelings. Um to approach both other people's feelings and our own with sort of that heart um, heart of understanding, right? Being understanding with ourselves and being understanding about what other people are experiencing. Cancer also rules the home and family and being surrounded by what's familiar to us. And what's familiar usually is home, right? If we're comfortable, we can be more of our true selves sometimes around our family, right? When we're at home, our home is our castle and I can let my hair down, I can take my shoes off, I can be who I wanna be at home. So there's something there about the foundation of safety and security. The, the foundation emotionally, our roots, right? What grounds us. Um, mother energy is also a part of this as the moon is the ruling planet for cancer. And that means cancer rules mother because the moon rules mother, but also other women. And uh, it's just interesting to watch, you know, what goes on in families uh, when we feel good in our family of origin versus when we don't feel good in our family of origin, right? Your family of origin may be the very trigger for you to look deeper into your shadows, right? The actual shadow in cancer is about support. And are we, do we feel supported? Um, do we have people in our lives that are supportive of us? Um, do we look outside of ourselves frequently for support or not? And then, of course, if you're looking outside of yourself for support and you find what you think is support in the face of a spouse or a friend or a you know loved one, and then they move or they leave you or they break up with you, that triggers the fear of the lack of support, which is a fear of abandonment. So the shadow here can be really about where we look outside of ourselves for support rather than inside of ourselves, right? Rather than seeing ourselves as vulnerable or not safe or secure if we don't have a support system around us of people, um, recognize that you are your support, right? That there's a tendency in cancer to be looking outside of ourselves for that support find it and then cling to it, right? To end up, you know, being smothered or smothering because we we cling or become very needy. Uh, we don't want to feel that loss. We don't want to feel that abandonment. So that can be a shadow that has been triggered. Uh, if you're someone who has the black moon natally in cancer, this has been sort of a cancer return for you, right? Or I mean, a black moon Lilith return. So those things about you that are vulnerable, where you've looked outside of yourself for security or where you're looking to others for support are being cut off, right? Where you're looking outside now and you're seeing nobody there supporting me, right? That, that there's just chaos when I look out there. 
So what does that do but drive me inward to find my own support, right? To find my own need to choose to take care of myself, to find my own road to stability, security, and safety. So that's what the uh, cancer has been about in that way. And of course, the triggers to the shadow might be something as small as a lack of self-confidence, right? Because that's one of the shadows of cancer in and of itself. Hiding then out of fear, right? Withdrawing, pulling back into the crab shell, right? Pulling back uh, or holding that big claw out there ready to bite anybody that comes along um, because it's, you know, defensive, right? I'm going to be defensive. So we may have been taking up in these last nine months areas of our lives where we've felt very defensive, where we've built the wall of protection around us and not let anybody in, but also then kept ourselves from getting outside of the wall. Uh, insecurity, I think we talked enough about that. Dependence on others. Now, this is kind of interesting because we have Jupiter in Aries, we have Chiron in Aries. And uh, the wound in Aries is similar, right? There's a, this need to either be super independent and not let anybody near, right? Not let anybody help. I can do it myself, right? Think of your, you know, three or four year old who's learning to tie their shoes, right? And you're trying to help and they don't want your help, right? Uh, then that dependence on others starts to come up. Like where have we given away our power perhaps in some ways and become dependent on others, looking to others to solve our problems or looking to others to create a sense of safety and security. So the shadow here that's being enacted even with Chiron and Jupiter is to look for one of two things, over dependence, codependency, or over independence. Where we need to be is in inter dependence, right? Where we appropriately need one another, right? That we are human beings. We work best when we have uh, connections, right? When we feel the safety of family or others, when we feel loved and secure, we do better, right? But at the same time, we have to balance that so that we don't overly become dependent on others. And of course, we do have to address the needs, the neediness, the clinginess, the smotheringness, if you will, of that cancer energy. So big, big news. And of course, she's about to shift. So before I talk about Leo uh, and the Black Moon Lilith, what comes next after this, let me take a look at comments and so forth to make sure I'm not looking at uh, missing questions here this morning. Uh, so I'm going way back saying good morning to Tom and Kajella and Debbie and Corey, Amanda, hello. Uh, Debbie tibbets Tumio says, yes, the moon is gorgeous. Happy birthday to Chase. Happy birthday, Chase. He never listens to my show, so whatever, he won't hear that. Um, but I will tell him that we all wished him happy birthday nonetheless. Um, and Corey says, happy birthday, Chase. That's nice. Tom, hello to you. Sylvester Miller, it's good to see you. We haven't seen you in a while. Karen Shoup, happy Friday to you. Sylvester says, sending love and positive vibes. Irene from Sweden, good morning. She says, happy full moon. The moon almost conjunct my natal sun. Increased intensity, I must say, indeed. JLo, hello to you. Pam Zaruba, hello. Good morning. And Sylvester said, I might be moon in cancer. That would make that even more powerful for you. Karen, this is very insightful. Janet, thank you. Thank you for saying so, Karen. And thank you for joining us this morning. Christine Buckingham, hello. She has her black moon in Aries at two degrees in the 12th house. <clears throat> Addressing the unconsciousness in a deeper way in a way that maybe has had you imprisoned, self-imprisonment, right? And unlocking yourself from that. The Black Moon Lilith then, uh, Corey is at 13 degrees in Pisces, addressing victim, right? The victim and the savior. Who are you trying to save, yourself or others? Or where are you always showing up as the victim? And there's a whole lot more to that as well. Uh, and that's in your seventh house, maybe, um, looking to relationships, others uh, as a pathway to kind of projecting on them a, a blame or guilt or um, that victim energy, but also coming to terms with, you know, I'm the one, <laughs> right? I'm the one. 
uh, Karen, I had to click it a few times to get it to work. I, I don't know what that means, but uh, pain is the touchstone of growth, Tom says. Suffering is optional. Very good. Uh, Christine Buckingham, would Chiron and Black Moon Lilith looked at together be the path to our soul healing? I would say that that's very accurate. Um, yeah, I, I would look, maybe Chiron would show us the antidote to that Black Moon healing. Um, I'm trying to think of it in my own chart. Um, I, my own natal Black Moon Lilith is in Leo, and my Chiron would be in Pisces. So part of the wound in Leo is about ego. So one way to dissolve the ant or the antidote to a Leo ego issue might be to dissolve oneself into the group, right? Or into uh, the community or into the universal universality, right? To source, to God, whatever. Uh, I would have to think about that. Uh, Tom, cancer rules the crab shack. Okie dokie. And Corey, will the moon in cancer affect those with rising sign of cancer more? Any, it will affect any planets that you have in cancer. So depending on the degree. So for example, um, cancer, that's interesting. So the black moon Lilith is at 29 degrees. So she's finishing up a journey. The cancer full moon is kind of mid degrees, right? So she's kind of starting, she's, like we said, planted that seed, his seed's been planted, and now the roots are starting to grow. So it talks about growth. Uh, so any of the planets maybe in cancer then are are growing, right? That, that you're growing through whatever those things are. Uh, having a, a cancer rising sign myself, I can say that likely it contributes to the more emotional responses that I've had to certain things going on in my life this week. Uh, Corey, I think that's the answer. Yes, they will probably affect you more if you have a cancer rising or any natal planets in cancer, they will be triggered more. Natasha, my triple cancer out there, she says, oh, that is what is going on. Black Moon Lilith in the house of relationships with um, others and women especially women, right? Because the, the moon in cancer representing women. And, um, oh my goodness, uh, glad I am doing my emotional work. Me too, right? It's up to each one of us to do our own emotional work. Uh, Fred Green, you are free to continue with your blood of Jesus Christ saves lost sinners crap. That's your, that's your gig, right? That's your belief. You're free to do that. And as free to not listen, to living astrology, which is talking about the bigger picture of who we all are. And in fact, if you really took Jesus Christ's words, you would understand he was talking metaphorically and also showing us that we were so much more than we gave ourselves credit for. So I invite you to go on a consciousness journey yourself. Karen Shoup, saving yourself helps you help others. Indeed right? Doing your own work is the primary way that you can impact growth and evolution on the planet. Because literally, I cannot change you, right? I can teach, I can, you know, in, give you information, but I can't make you take that in. I can't make you understand it. I can't make you do anything about it. That lies securely in your purview. And when you take those steps to grow and evolve and see yourself as something bigger, um, something, you know, much more divine in nature, then you actually impact all of those people around you, right? Something changes in your energetic field, right? You are evolving consciously, which allows that pathway of the evolution of consciousness to open up for others as well. So it's always about working on ourselves. Uh, Jennifer Davenport, good morning. Uh, you don't get extra points for suffering. So true. So, 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 so absolutely true. JLo, I am on a call. Uh, but we'll surely listen again, simply holding space now. Thank you, JLo, for doing that. Sylvester says, I know I have cancer in Jupiter or Jupiter in cancer and NLW, knowing my moon sign is cancer makes sense. Uh, all of, you know, that's why this is so important. It's why I, I give out free charts. It's why I do this work because it all begins when you know yourself, right? When you know what your 
pain points are going to be when you know what you, you, the antidotes are to those pain points, then suffering is a thing of the past and we just move through whatever it is that we're working on. We elevate ourselves by choice, right? We choose to grow and evolve. Uh, Karen, the click it referred to a link that I sent. Oh, okay, gotcha. Sylvester Miller, my whole life was just uprooted and changed. My relationships, my area of residence and my career a lot that is a lot but likely it's setting you up for a better future right uh i have another a woman uh client that her whole life is being uprooted right now same thing right a very big health challenge followed by leaving her job followed by moving out of her house even changing relationships that's a lot that's a lot but so worthwhile if those things have become the chains that have binded you right have kept you down uh jennifer davenport cancer moon but in sidereal cancer moves to my descendant mm. and the descendant is often a place that we don't see clearly but we see it in the relationships that we have with other people right it's like seeing the reflection of your pain seeing the reflection of abandonment issues seeing the the reflection of moodiness and emotions and uh, clinginess or neediness, right? Moving it to the descendant means I can use the people in my life to tell me, to show me, not tell you, show you what still needs to be worked on in yourself. Lovely. Christine, wishing all those changes, all that work out for your highest good and happiness, Sylvester. I love how we support one another in that here in this morning show. All right. So I know I've thrown a lot at you today. <laughs> Hopefully, it makes sense. Um, I want to go back to the tropical and sidereal. Oh, no, wait, before I go back to that, because that's a whole nother hole. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the next move that the black moon Lilith will make into Leo and why, what might start being triggered for you. The theme in Leo, the shadow energy is about order, right? The ordering of things. The primary fear here is really about change. And, you know, Sylvester, you've just talked to me about a bunch of changes. My other client talked to me all about these changes and the deep impact that they've had on their lives. I'm already dealing with change myself and, and I, I just don't even want to go there. I don't have that story set out yet in, in any real way. It's the shadow, right? Right. We still have to work through it. And here we, we tend in the Leo to start judging ourselves by what we have achieved so far in our lives. And then we tend to compare that with where other people are in their life path, right? Um, and the tendency then might be to see yourself as lacking in some way, right? Not as good as, right? Or taking a hit in, in your, your ego. And, you know, likely then that can send you out, you know, spiraling, through things like jealousy or um, becoming overly um, in kind of focused on position and rising through the ranks and all of that. Um, and then as a, as a goal here to kind of counteract a lot of that self-centeredness negative self-centeredness because you guys all know I I think self-centered is a positive thing but we can as anything take it too far and it can tip over into selfishness so the only antidote is to give more right to give to others right what you see as lacking in you you want to give to others it, it's generosity right it's being generous it's identifying the opportunities that are presented in the changes in your life or the changes that are being made or the changes that have been made uh, to begin to give to others who are maybe experiencing changes in their lives. And it can feel like an assault on the ego, right? So all of us over these next nine months that she will be in the sign of Leo may be, you know, coming to terms with, you know, arrogance or narcissism, narcissism, narcissistic people in our lives. They may be showing that, you know, by shadow to us. Um, we maybe have to look at when, 
you know, where are we being overly selfish or overly self-centered? Um, so rigid attempts to keep yourself in the same order that you've been in always to keep things the same are going to be met with a shadow energy and any place where you are becoming overly insulated about you, right, where the story is all about you are places where things need to change, right? And again, um, that is something that we'll face over time. And it's also largely going to be dependent on what house Leo is in in your chart, what planets that you have in Leo, and where your own natal black moon Lilith is, right? It's all going to play to the story. And based on what Christine was saying, I'm also thinking based on where your Chiron is, which means that we also have to look at where Chiron is transiting because they kind of go together, right? The healing principle can only happen when we face the shadow, right? We can't heal what we can't see. Um, so... Big news coming up from one little teeny tiny little point in our charts. Uh, all right. Now, in the last 10 minutes here, let's take a look at uh, the sun and earth in human design for this week. Uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier in the broadcast where the sun is at the gate 54 starting today. So from the 6th through the 10th and the gate 54 being a gate that really instigates a journey, right? So we're on the the instigation point of a journey. Now, we call in traditional human design, this gate was called uh, ambition uh, or drive. And in quantum human design, did she change the name of that gate? It is divine inspiration. I like that, divine inspiration. It is a gate where we become inspired to go on a journey. It is a gate that I often equate with uh, the mystic, the mystical circuitry in human design, uh, where it triggers our need to go out into the world to find answers, to uh, out on a journey of discovery of self, of others perhaps, or of the bigger, wider world. So the 54 is sort of a catalytic energy. It's going to be a week where we may be triggered in many ways to embark upon a journey. Is it a journey of self-discovery? It might be. Is it a journey, a spiritual journey? It might be. Is it a journey to climb the ladder of success in your corporation or your job? It might be. It can be all kinds of journeys, but the 54 is where the journey starts. Remember, it's on the root center and the root center is the pulse to move outward and upward, right? The gates on the root go up toward the sacral and go out toward the spleen and go out toward the emotional center. So there, you could think of those gates as these trigger points that from a feeling of stress, perhaps, that we feel that impulse to do something different, to move, right, to evolve, because ultimately it's the center that is about our evolution. So the sun sitting there prompts this for us. Now, if you have gate 54 already defined, then this might take up a notch in your life, right? You might feel like I need to go further on my journey. I need to go on a new journey, that kind of thing. If you don't have this energy defined at all in your chart, now it's defined. And now this is a new thing for you, right? A new feeling of urgency, maybe to go on a, a quest of some sort, to go find answers or to elevate your consciousness in some way. Now, remember, this is a, a pulse, right? The pulse energy. The root center does not have sustainable life force energy like the sacral does. It's still a motor, though but it's pulsing, right? It's pulsing and a pulse can turn off, right? It can pulse on and then it can pulse off. So you may be pulsed with starting on something, undertaking a journey or a new quest, but it may not be a straight line. In fact, I know it won't be a straight line. <laughs> it could go in all different sorts of directions. It can stop completely. It can pick up a new thread and move off in that direction, but that's part of the magic of life on earth, right, is that we don't always know where life will take us. All we can really do is be 
aware of what, how it is that we're responding to the things that are popping up in our field. Now, because the pulse of ambition and drive and divine inspiration sends us right into the spleen at the gate 32, the the gate 32 wants success, right? It, its whole fear is about failure. And that can trigger um, a lot of fear-based energy paralysis points, if you will, uh, in our own lives. And again, that's really dependent on your own human design and whether or not you have gate 32 defined uh, or whether you have uh, nothing on 32, right? This pulse might take a little bit longer to get uh, to the 32 and create a, a sense of fear or paralysis for you. The earth, when we look at human design, the earth is often the, um, she's often the trigger for growth. She's the challenge, right, that is in front of us. So if we want to get to the energy of this divine inspiration or of this uh, root uh, ambition and drive, we're going to have to handle the gate 53, which is where the earth is. And the gate 53 is about starting things, starting something, right? It's a gate of initiation in a way, initiation as in beginning something, not initiation as in gate 51. That's a shock that moves us toward a spiritual um, uh, growth but more like the beginning steps. How do I lay the template for what comes next? So the 53 herself or that himself itself, that gate leads to the 42 up on the sacral center. So the pressure in the 53 is to start something that we will ultimately be able to finish. And that all starts with beginning the right things right which goes to your type and your strategy if you if you are always trying to start a million things um and you can't can't take on all of them the best strategy then is to start the right things for you to use your strategy that's associated with your type generator types yours is to respond to what shows out up outside of you manifesting generators also have that same kind of strategy but also have to take the extra step of informing the people that will be involved in the changes that you're making before you make them. If you're a projector, that strategy is to wait for the invitation, life inviting you in, or a person inviting you in. And then you have the ability to follow your authority into the right things. If you're a manifester, it's all about the initiation anyway, right? For you, this gate should have no big effect because you're always all about starting things, right? Your, your cue is all about what feels creative to you, what feels good to you to start. And if you're a reflector, of course, you're waiting to get involved in anything big in your life through the full cycle of the moon, right? Your 29-day um, lunar cycle. Very few of you out there are reflectors. So uh, if you have questions about that, you can certainly let me know. Uh, okay, so final thoughts in the last three minutes here about sidereal and tropical. I, I am almost convinced that our tropical versus sidereal is all about our evolving awareness and consciousness raising going on within us. So for example, I was looking at my tropical sun at the gate 12, the channel of channeling, right? Of, in, of channeling divine uh, wisdom and how it has moved over then to the gate 20, which is a gate that's on the throat center as well but is also a gate where we have to patiently wait for the right opportunities to empower others. So I'm thinking about how that, you know, how, how that evolving awareness of the fact that I can bring in this information, that I do channel information for people, and how that isn't something that I can just call you up and say, hey, I, I want to channel for you because it's unleashed in the right timing, right? And that right timing is when that, when that person 
asks for that wisdom. Or when people like you come to my morning broadcast here and listen and go away, perhaps empowered or more wise or, you know, more uh, aware of, of the world around you. And, you know, in talking with Asa about this on Saturday, she brought up an interesting point. She said, it's sort of like the yin yang, right? That they work together right? The, 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 uh, the incorporation of the bigger energies happens when we begin to embody our sidereal human design or astrology. It works either ways. And that it lies inside of us waiting for us to wake up to it. I woke up to it right a few months ago, actually. I don't know when we first brought this up. And then, you know, I have another client who keeps asking me, to do a sidereal chart for her. And I, I was resisting that because I'm like, no, I don't do that kind of astrology. I don't do that kind of human design. And so she's been sort of the little needle, the little knife going, do it, do it, look at it, go take it on. And I feel like then maybe the sidereal part, that whole idea of sidereal is a little like our North nodes which are our destiny, right? That that shifts for us somewhere around age 40 to 42. And we embark on a journey moving in maybe a completely different direction, evolving consciously, right? As we go along. And that maybe the um, tropical then is just a glimmer of who we could be with the sidereal bringing it in more fully in each of us, right? Oof, oof such deep thoughts for a Saturday morning last week um, at the end of an old year and the crux to the beginning of a new one. So oh, that's a lot for one day. I hope I gave you all lots to think about. Uh, if you have questions, you guys, you know where you can find me. And uh, Tom says, suggest the Pleiadian card for the collective because we're in the middle of a 13-day week. We're actually today at six loving energy. Oops, I can't reach my cards, Tom. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so one of the things that I also did this weekend uh, was I completely tore apart my desk area and revamped it because I couldn't work in the debacle that was my office anymore. Uh, I, I took pictures before and after, and it, I, I was even shocked at how I streamlined everything in my desk area. One of the things I streamlined was I moved the cards and I forgot to bring them back over here for the broadcast this morning so that I could read cards. So I apologize. Um, I'll tell you what I can do though. I'll tell you what I can do. It won't be Pleiadian, but it will be galactic because I have the galactic cards on my uh, phone. So let's just pull a single card. Let me, and the card I just pulled is alchemy. It's card number 102 in the deck. It is from the Essasani. It is a, they are a higher level um, uh, life form and they are in a parallel universe with us. Now, how do I find the meaning of that card? Here we go. Reality is created through our conscious and unconscious thoughts, emotions, and intentions. When they are aligned, we become the reality that we prefer as long as we are following our excitement, which represents the natural flow of the universe. This essential Essasani teaching is a process of alchemy but it means that we must look at our own self-sabotaging behaviors, our shadows, our black moon Lilith, um, knowing ourselves fully. Only then can we come into full alignment with our true selves. This card means that it's time for you to take this step, clean up unfinished business, be free and embrace synchronicity. Holy cow, right? <laughs> this is a huge synchronicity. The Essasani species is known to be a hybrid of human and Zeta and are considered to be a highly evolved species assisting Earth through its transition. Deep within the Essasani collective memory lies the healed lessons of the Zeta, uh, Orion, and the human species. 
Because these lessons were fully integrated, the outcome is a species of pristine consciousness capable of non-polarized thought and a catalyzing energy that propels others forward into their process of integration. Alchemy refers to the process of using two seemingly opposing forces and bringing them together for profound transformation, nearly magical in nature. This card also connects to the past lessons of Orion, uh, fusion and magic that were successfully integrated by the Essasani. If this card happens to be here in your spread, the meaning depends upon the surrounding cards. Well, we don't have to worry about that. A likely interpretation is that there has been or will be or needs to be a shift in your life circumstances that comes in an unexpected way. <laughs> Our minds often think change is predictable and happens according to a linear model, the A plus B equals C. But the truth is that everything we experience around us is the result of an alchemical process, an energetic mix of our thoughts, beliefs, patterns, emotions, resistances, etc. All of these variables create a powerful energetic soup that propels our trajectory in this illusion called physical life. The Essasani are experts in harnessing these alchemical processes and shifting the trajectory toward awakening. This card communicates the idea that it is now essential to do the inner work necessary to understand the forces that affect how your reality is created. See yourself clearly, including your self-defeating habits and patterns, uh, as a way to free yourself from limitation and illusion. Let me see if I can go back to the card itself and show it to you on the screen. Uh, here we go. Can I make it bigger? No, if I do that, that's as big as she's going to get. That's what the card looks like. Uh, come on, come into focus. Come into focus. Well, you get the idea. Probably because it's on my phone. All right. So that seems like a very good way to end the broadcast this morning. That is it for me. Thank you so much for joining me uh, Monday. My daughters and I and a guest speaker will be taking up meditation and breath work. And how does that drive inspiration? So join us at 4 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook's group Desire to Inspire. And we'll be joined by Amy Colvin, who is not only a neighbor of mine, but a very impressive woman when it comes to meditation and breath work and qigong and many different practices that help us open up our minds and to be grounded in the physical world. Take care, everybody. Much love to you all. Bye for now.